Welcome to the Business of Property podcast. I'm Simon. I'm Stuart. And I'm Jamie. We're all property people running our own businesses. This podcast is just us chatting, as we often do, about anything and everything property. So I'm delighted to say that we are joined by Jamie today, who is CEO of Inspired Villagers. And I think I'm going to hand over very quickly to him and say, Jamie, what is Inspired Villages and how did it get started? Thank you, Simon. And uh, hello, everybody. Inspired Villages are an operator and developer of integrated retirement communities. You might think, what is an integrated retirement community? Well, it's a place where people who are over 65 can come and live their lives happily, fulfilled, and focused really around holistic well-being, which is their physical, mental, social and financial well-being. We are nationwide in the UK. Currently have six operating villages, just looking out after over a thousand people with a business plan that's driving to 34 villages to look after over 12 and a half thousand people in the next 10 years. And we have a mix of independent and assisted living centered around a core building that has our restaurants, cafes, bars, swimming pools, fitness studios in, and the like. Generally, each of our communities have 35 people uh, working for us at them, and they provide services to people as and when they need them. So it's uh, anything from home help, uh, gardening and the like, uh, through to sort of regulated care through, through a third-party domiciliary care agency. Yeah, thanks for that. And th- th- we were having a brief chat before we hit the record button, and you started this with a couple of other people. Can you just talk a little bit about when that happened and from your perspective why what took you towards inspired villages okay so i've um, i've had a num- number of businesses in my time within d- development and construction i started out in construction where i where i, I started and, uh, and owned a series of construction companies through the evolution of time and opportunity i sort of came into retail development where i was uh, involved with the business doing town center city center regen up until sort of 2007 2008 when the crash happened and found ourselves looking for opportunities so um, in, in that time, I was looking around the country, meeting people, and came across a, a gentleman who just sold his business doing these things called retirement villages. It was like, well, what are they? I'd never, never heard of it before. This was in 2008. So I went, went to see him and, and had a real light bulb moment. And the light bulb moment was that, that I could finally find something that was more than just a job. And I've got lots of lots of opportunities, and I've, I've I've had a number of different businesses over the time, but this is one that became something that felt purposeful, and something that actually meant that I could do something with my energy and ambition that would transform an area of society that's largely ignored. Because when people think about retirement, their vision is really not that good generally generally sort of a, an awful place with people in a circle looking at each other and sleeping uh, half the time. Yet, yet there's an opportunity for people to live their best years. And I felt that that was a real light bulb moment. And ironically, the sort of financial part of it is very similar to other sectors where you have tenants, you have our residents who all have leasehold or rental agreements. The success is to have a very sharp back of house function, but a great front of house that would enable people to sit and dwell and come back and be proud of what they're, what, where they're living. So you, so you look at that. So it's sort of like a hotel, uh, services for, for people to spend seven, 10 years in, not just one to two days. 
And it was an amazing moment. I can remember the day, even now, where I came away from, from that meeting thinking, I have to get into this space. I have to do that. And I went back to my uh, long-term uh, business partner and said, right, you know, I don't know how we're going to make this work, but we're going to make it work. And we did. We then, we then optioned some sites. We started bringing some uh, product through. We started to evolve our business. And then in 2017, or 2014, we managed to secure investment through a company called Places for People, who committed um, equity to us to deliver two of our villages, uh, one in Warwickshire, one in Cheshire. And in 2017, we could step to the next stage where I secured investment through Legal and General, through their Legal and General capital business, who then saw the opportunity here with the ageing demographic. You know, at the moment, there's just over 12 million people in the UK over 65. That's due to raise to just under 20 million in the next sort of 10 years. You know, the number of over 80s is doubling. You know, and what, what, what suitable accommodation is there for, for, for that demographic with, you know, trillion pounds of equity? You know, these people have done well out of property and done well out of, you know, their working careers generally. So, so you saw an opportunity there that, that was, was a wonderful one to sort of deal with your passion in, in a working sense. You know, and how cool is that to sort of be getting up every day and you know, not thinking this is a job and transforming people's lives? And, and we sort of moved that business forward as a very purpose-led organisation from none of us and a dream and an empty suitcase, you know, right the way around now to just over 300 people in the business. In August 2021, we secured a co-investment from, from NatWest Group Pensions, who have committed uh, equal equity to LNG, which was uh, 250 million each. So that gave us 500 million in equity with associated debt. Allows us to drive to the 34 village platform that we are now pushing hard to deliver. I think that sounds like a fantastic story, especially discovering something you feel so passionate about and so so driven to to solve. I think that's, that's, that's got to be the, the dream, really, hasn't it, of, of every entrepreneur to to find that that thing that, as you say, doesn't feel like a, a job every day when you get up. I'm interested in sort of some of the, the practicalities of, of your villages. You mentioned that they're they're built around a, a central building, and that your tenants or your um, customers tend to have leaseholds. So, what what is actually in the central building and what what comes around it is it does it tend to be houses or flats and do people have their own gardens or how do they actually look i'm in my head i'm sort of imagining a a, a center parks type thing because they have a, a thing in the middle and, and stuff around it because i've never been to a retirement village i'm not quite that old yet <laughs> so so yeah well, you should come. You should come in here. There, there, as are not gated. You should come have a have a bite to eat in one of our restaurants or a coffee in our in our. Cafe. That's really interesting. Are, are they open to the general yeah, public they as are, well? Yeah, then? I mean, in our wellness facilities, we have local schools using them for uh, swimming lessons and things like that. So, our model is Educonnovation, generally seven, ten acre sites linked to a town or a city, low rise, three stories maximum for us. We would like want to keep a very domestic scale. Uh, it's apartment living, level living is what we should say. So so it's, um, we like to think that people can get to their apartments without having to go upstairs, albeit we very much advocate the use of stairs. We, we're all about keeping people well. It's not about caring for you. We are, we're, we're not carers, we're caring as an organisation. And for us, if we can give people extra years of health, 
then people can actually live better for longer with very little uh, requirement for GP visitation and the like. You know, our, our sector, uh, you know, has, has statistics that people living within our communities might spend one to two days in hospital in comparison to two weeks that people tend to stay, tend to stay in if they're living in traditional open market housing. We typically have our sort of lower work surfaces, uh, low, lower kitchen tops. Our, our, our designs are very much there for, for people as they age. Yeah, we, we look at, I'm very clear on five things for me. It's, it's lead with purpose or lead with passion now. I'm trying to move it to from my purpose is my passion now. So that's exactly where it is. But also keep it simple. You know, you'll know in, 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 in property in particular, we're very, very good at complicating things. You know, just keep it simple. Have a strong eye for detail. That's exactly what it's all about. Those little things, you know. There's no point in in uh, planting a bush uh, you know, underneath a window that grows quickly. You want it to grow well, you know. You've got to think about that layout of how 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 it is, and like think of how somebody moves around a bit at home. And say say for us, our average age is seventy nine. The range is between sixty five and one hundred and six now. So a huge age range. So you've got a proper community within the community. And if those people do need to stay in bed for a particular reason for a period of time, they're not in a lot. We want to make sure that a window is in a place that you can see out of when you're in your bed, and not necessarily have to crank your own, you know, yourself. Let it So so we try and think of that whole life for people. You know, our, our windows are slightly lower. So the people, if they're you know sitting down or in a wheelchair, or whatever, they can actually see out of them, you know. And it's sort of our doors are wider, but it, they don't look like that, you know. We use quality design and a strong attention to detail to make an environment something that you would live in, Sam, or you would live in, Stuart, quite happily, but there for you for your life, you know, for your whole of your life. And 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 to do that, you know, we need to have empathy. We need to empathise with everyone around us, our customers, their families, uh, our colleagues, their families, the wider network, but but wrap that up with drive. As a business, you know, we're in a nascent sector. We have investment through social impact investors. We take that very, very seriously. And in doing that, we need to drive the right decisions. We're not backed by private equity. We're backed by organisations that want to do the right thing. And that's why you know, uh, NatWest invested in us because we were heading down a net zero route well in advance of anyone else. So each of our schemes are net zero now in regulated energy with a view of going operationally net zero well before the 2030 deadline that most people are going at. And, and that's, it's interesting because things like that, are, are, are like people say, oh, that's really tricky, it's difficult, it's loads of capex. It's like, no, just think about the building. Go to fabric first. See the layout of a building first. Think about it a little harder to build the right thing first. You know, embedded carbon's a challenge for us, but build it strong, build it robust, build it for the long term, and then start to use ground source or air source or other energy things and photovoltaics. So you, so any offsetting you're doing is actually directly involved. So you might put a little wind farm or a little solar farm next to it, but connect it in through a private wire network. So so you're not greenwashing, you're doing the right thing. And for that, you say that needs a lot of drive, doesn't it? Someone said you either lead or be led. You know, for me, we have an opportunity to lead. And and, and that's a really exciting thing about, about this. Yeah, and uh, obviously you've talked about purpose is passion and your passion just comes through loud and clear and you mentioned living in the properties. I'd have no problem living there 
And uh, for anyone listening, you know, just head over to inspiredvillages.co.uk. Have a look yourself. I mean, I've already got my eyes on the one close to Leeds Castle, by the way. <laughs> That's not far from where I am. You know, and, and what what I love already is, you know, everything you've talked about, you talked about purposeful, and I hear sort of intentional. Everything has an intention, even if it's the windows in relation to a bed or the, the height of a surface. And and it's really interesting. Having spoken with at least 100 entrepreneurs yeah, over the last couple of years. One thing I'm just interested to get to, when you came away from that meeting back back when, and you had the idea, and it, it clearly lit a fire inside you. you, you know, you spoke to a business partner, you've got an idea, you've got your suitcase. What happened then? So how did you get the wheels turning to make what is now, you know, clearly a, a, a large business providing a lot of what is necessary, you know, into the country, into you know, into reality. How did you do that? Where did you start? I've, I've always had a, a mantra. The mantra is, where there's a will, I'll find a way. And where there's not, I'll find an excuse. So for me, it's first off to come away from that, to think, okay, how do I get my skills and my strengths to make things happen? And then who do I need around me to help support that? Where are my weak spots? But first off is to say, I need to do this. I need to, I need to, I have a burning desire in order to make a change. So, 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 so my, my core knowledge is in development and construction and property and no knowledge in operations, which is good because then I wasn't fettered by any sort of stigma or anything. I just, what, 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 what do I think would be the right thing to do? A good bit of naivety. Yeah. A bit of naivety in Yeah. 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 And, and that naivety and that sort of, you know, and it's just sort of, you know, it's just action that you think, okay, well, you know, I can buy a bit of land. I can then see and push it through to, through planning. I can then get it built. I can then get it into a fashion where I think I can sell it. You know, and, and then then you sort of look at the, the the metrics through 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 that, and then 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 to explore the sort of opportunity. In, in the in the widest sort of sort of sense, and then enabled me. This was I was down. It was a drive back to the Midlands from Stow in the Wold, and it was just with that that sort of two hour drive. You know, at the end of it, it was like right, let's form a business. Uh, let's let's get some sites option. You know, let's get some movement in this. Let's get the best people who are designing this space, and let's challenge the status quo. Let's really push the boundaries, and let's test. Uh, and then with that, you know, you start to sort of engage directly, don't you? You know, you start to sort of feel it yourself. And I think for me, as I've evolved the business, you know, I mean, we, we, I'm doing a, uh, you know, a presentation about an initiative I'm trying to think think of at the moment that's very much linked to this, to the WI and the village I live in. Yeah, because I want to hear it myself. You know, and, and I'm, I'm here uh, seeing, re- seeing residents today because I want to see what they're, you know, where they're at here. And I think for me, coming back and, and sort of being able to execute a plan, you know, is the process. But you don't want to get the process to get in the way of the sort of vision, your dream, your drive, you know, and, and, and push it. And then don't just accept, you know, it, it's sort of, I think, I think people like me, I, I'm not sure whether we're ignorant or not to be honest, because no matter what happens in a day, no matter how bad it is, the next day I'll always get up and start again. You know, you only fail when you give in. You know, don't give in. You know, have that will. Go for it. And I think to anyone out there that wants to get into any sort of industry, anything at all, you know, if you've got the drive, if you've got the determination, you know, just go for it. Just do it. Because actually it's amazing that people will latch onto that. And then there's people cleverer than me, you know, people much more cleverer than me in our business. And, and those people, 
can sort of take this sort of like energy and transform it into reality, you know? And then I, I and, and that's where we're at with our business now. You know, I've got a fabulous senior management team who are exceptionally good. I've got a really strong grown-up governance uh, structure within the business that the likes of legal and general and the age that they are and NatWest Group pensions are just just liking and, and forming and the like. And yet, uh, yet, yeah, we only, we're only formed in 2017. So, so, so then we look at, you know, you look at who does it well out there. So like the challenger banks and people like that, you know, they can open bank accounts on that, can't they? You know, and, and I'm thinking, well, how do we sell property? Do we make it really complicated? So why don't we try and look at the amount of interactions we have with a customer and get that down to 10% of that? It's, you know, and, and because we're a new company, and I think this is the exciting thing about when you do start a business is is all the legacy, all the process and the procedures. And if anyone ever complains in our company here now, say, you know, oh, it's complicated. I'm thinking, well, we made it up. <laughs> so we made our own complicated. So you think to yourself, well, yeah, I've only got myself to blame for this, for this complicated, bro. So, so and I think that's the interesting thing with it, Stuart, if that answers the question. I think that's a brilliant outlook to have and to to have that that drive. I'm curious about your your early net zero adoptership <laughs> and obviously there, there was presumably some some personal drive behind that to be such an early adopter so where did that come from and and how did you get started on that path okay i think um covid's changed a lot of people so the reason why people are talking about well, i know cop 26 and all those other things happen there but i think I think the pandemic has really got people to have a sort of that sort of sit down, that proverbial cup of tea in their own minds to think about, you know, what where that what part they play in society and life. And really, a few few years ago, you know, came to the conclusion that, that I think we and I do have an obligation to leave this planet in a better place than I joined it. And the way that life was going, we weren't doing that. So you think, okay, well, my business now, you know, we're going to sort of deliver over seven million square feet of housing. You know, a gross development value of north of four billion pounds, and all this. Uh, you know, homes for thousands of people, and all that sort of stuff. So, so you think, oh, that sounds quite grown up, doesn't it? It sounds quite responsible. So, this sort of thing. So, you think, well, why don't we just try and do it properly? And why don't we just try and sort of uh, pledge ourselves to go net zero? Legal and general capital are leading the way. So, LG, legal and general are very keen on ESG. In fact, they've actually added an H to the ESG, which I quite like. So they're saying health forms part of it. So environmental, social, and health governance. Makes sense. It doesn't roll off the tongue, unfortunately, but it, uh, it means a lot, doesn't it? So you think to yourself, well, uh, you know, I love the idea that, uh, that what we do and what the likes of you, know, you do, as well as the likes of I do, you know, can create the benchmark for, for, for lots of things to happen. And, and it'd be so cool if we're in like, 10, 15 years' time to look back and know we're all driving down this way and I've had a little part to play in that. That just is so rewarding. So when you look at it and you think, all it needs is a bit of effort and a bit of focus and a bit of drive. And, and, and actually, it needs, it needs people like us, you know, who are going to think, oh, stuff it. You know, how difficult can it be? Yeah, and everyone will throw the barriers and say, oh, CapEx and OpEx and the world and all that sort of stuff, you know. But the fact of the matter is, is, you know, our challenges are more about, you know, what will the effect of Russia into Ukraine? What's China going to do next? Well, what's happening with that? You know, so, so we've got these uncontrollables, but then you've got these controllables. So for us, it's like, well, let's control the best best sort of uh, uh, building. So, so the people aren't necessarily, they're going to get their energy from the ground or get their energy from the air or they're going to get their energy from, from the sun. 
you know, and therefore they're not going to be as, you know, exposed to Russia, you know, or wherever, you know. The fact fact is, 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 yeah, people living with us are on fixed income. They're earning a pension. They can't earn out. So a doubling of their utility costs is a big problem for them, big problem. So how do we ensure that we can align to that as best we can? And one of the best ways to do it is just create the energy yourself. So you're actually, you know, you're not, you know, as long as it's windy or sunny or whatever, you know, you can, you can, you can do that. And that, that's probably the underwrite for me was a bit about control what you can control. Do your best in what you can do there. And for that, you know, ESG has got to be a, a good place to go. I've got, I've got a vision of all of your leaseholders now on exercise bikes that are now pumping energy into the, uh, into the local villages. Yeah, well, it is. It's, I mean, to be fair, you know, you, you, you laugh, but, the, but, you know, to centre around holistic well-being, physical, mental, social, financial well-being of, of people has been there. Time of the Morum, everyone's talked about holistic well-being for many, many years. And if you centre decisions back to that and you make sure you're ticking at least one of those boxes, then the decisions you're doing as a, as a business is, is passing the sanity tests, not just the vanity tests. And I think people, as they're forming businesses, if they're not careful, it becomes a vanity project. It becomes something that you're... You know, you want to show after your mates not making any difference, you know. And, and I think the likes of ESG keeps your feet on the ground. It keeps you doing the right thing. You know, and we're very early in the process. You know, we're ahead of the game, but we're still early in the process, really early. We, I, I see that we, we're a little toddler. You know, we were a baby. We're a little toddler. You know, we, we're going through our terrible twos, you know, but, we're, but we've got a long way to go, you know. So it's uh, – and I think that's, that's, again, hopefully answered the question on ESG. You mentioned that your new build – you're thinking about this early and upfront and building green technologies and net zero into your buildings that you're you're creating. But it sounds like some of your buildings, some of your villages will predate those plans and decisions. How are you approaching applying those net zero goals to some of your existing and older buildings? Because that's, that's always a much harder puzzle, I think, for, for property people. It is. It absolutely is. And, you, you know, you say, OK, do we go, you know, do, how do we create ourselves? I know Google have just just announced that they're going to create themselves as net zero and go backwards from formation. And we're probably going to say, it sounds easy for us. We've not been going long, you know, sort of thing. So, so we can actually make some easy decisions and then make out that we're the best. You know, that's just that's just the way of a new company. And, and our business, I mean, we use AirSource and have on, on most of our project, uh, properties anyway. And we've got, we've got a photovoltaic. So we're not far off net zero regulated energy on our schemes uh, we have got uh, district heating so people buy energy and not uh, not heating unfortunately we have gas fired boilers in a couple of the schemes which we need to we need to address and we're looking at ways in which we can address that so we so from the off we always looked at the efficiency of the use of heating buildings anyway that was a basic so building fabric has always been a, a central piece to what we're doing and then it's just trying to sort of work out okay what what, what do we need to do how do we need to transform that uh, people don't have gas in their own homes so the gas if it comes in or we go into central plants so that we could flip that to something else if the technology allows us to do it and, and a drive to sort of not have to do too much retrofitting. You know, I think everyone's going to have an obligation to retrofit at some point. And for us, uh, yeah, we are lucky, I think, because we went down an air source heating. So we're halfway there with, with lots. So we are using the air to energize. That's just it was a decision. You make your luck, but that's, that's helped us and on the gas because, because it's all district heating systems. People are, our residents are buying energy. 
and we might just need to just change the energy source from one to another. So we've, we've I suppose it's always been a sort of a thinking part of what we're doing anyway, if not avert, you know, it's always been trying to work out. The, 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 the important thing for us as a business is, is aligning with the customer. And to align with the customer, you've got to understand life through our customers' eyes. And it's the fixed income bit that's always always resonated with, with me. You know, you, Simon, you, Stuart, you know, you could earn more. You know, you could go do something else, get, get, you know, look at another opportunity, try and get something. You know, p- people in their 80s have done that. They just want to enjoy themselves. And, and therefore, they, they look at their uh, income really closely. You know, so the worst thing we can do is, is not try and align to that challenge. Uh, and if we do, then we're aligned, aren't we? Yeah, I, I mean, I've never heard a customer-centric model not prove successful yet, because for, for for all the reasons you've talked about, and they're quite obvious. And just, the, I guess, the final question in my mind, from from a you know from a, from a customer perspective, is is how it works in operation. So they so they are buying that lease within the building, and and then so how does that work from their point of view? So so if I I'm I'm reaching that age, and actually I think, yeah, do you know what? I want to put my feet up and, and have a good life. I'm going to go there. How does that work operationally for, for that? Okay, so, people, so we have we have two two ways that we are trying to widen that to others because we want to be ultimately customer-centric and be agnostic on somebody. So somebody might want to come and rent, somebody might want to buy, someone might want to do part of those, and we've got to get uh, agnostic with it. We're not quite there yet. You know, I can talk as if everyone thinks I've got the answer to every question. I haven't. You know, I've just got, I'm just a good talker at times. And what we do is people generally will buy a long leasehold interest, 250-year lease. They'll, they'll then pay a, a premium for that lease, buy the property in essence, and then they'll pay a, a service charge uh, within the Act, but we try to cap that charge so that we can then control that in line with their expectations so they know, there's, you know their outgoings are under control and, and into place. Uh, people then can rent. So people then can rent property under an um, AST, simple AST agree- agreement, and they can then you know, either buy that after a while of renting it or they can just rent or they can come and go. We don't think people, you know, 99% of people who come wish they'd done it earlier for us. And then the interesting thing, the way that people talk about, there's something called an event fee within our model. So on the reassignment of the lease, when the when the property is vacated and when the, when the one or couple, couple have passed away, then there's a percentage of the resale value that is charged to that so and that's you know that's um you know can be you know 18 percent, which sounds like a lot but for that we then able to control their annual costs so we can control the service charge uh, we can then uh, deliver services within the village we can create the building form for those services within the village and then we refurbish it so there's no sink the sinking funds covered in that so so if we need to replace the roof we'll replace it and interestingly every but his accommodation, we would refurbish that to an A1 standard on resale. So when a couple move in, they have a choice to say, do you want to pay this price or do you want to pay this price but with this event fee? And then people will say, well, okay, what's the event fee? Well, the event fee is a cost that you pay actually after you pass away. And people will say, oh, great. So they look at their own arrangements and they accept that. And they say, okay, what's that event fee doing? Is it going back to shareholders? Is that is that just like a profit? We say, no, that's that allows us to control the, the environment that, that you live in to make it an A1 environment that's wonderful. It controls the resale of the property. So for your family, they, they know they're selling an A1 property. That's why we have waiting lists. That's why 
our properties tend to on resale will go up sort of HPI plus two percent. So we know that there is capital appreciation in someone's asset, and and it becomes something that is a place where they can live hassle free. And then when it comes up for resale, they know that it's being sold as an A1 property. And it's an interesting area that was tested in the Law Commission. It's something that people do talk about and people do get confused at times about. But actually, we find that when we when we sit down and, and talk to people about it and say, we've got a choice, you can either pay for it up front or you pay for it at the end, which would you like? And, and nine and a half out of ten will say, well, we'll pay for it, pay for it when, when the lease is reassigned. Give me an A1 property. Let me have live in, live in a luxurious environment for the, for the whole of my life so I can just focus on having fun and jumping out of planes and running marathons. Sort of thing, you know? It sounds really flexible and really simple, I think, for, for people. Because you say that they, can, that they can have different choices and choose how they want to, to structure it and then potentially change what they're doing as well. So if you rent first and then decide to buy later, I think that's a, a good, good flexibility. I, I remember a, a recent headline I saw where there, there was a, a large percentage of current tenants wanting to buy out their, their landlords. So uh, that, that does, does happen and uh, obviously in retirement as well. Mm, yeah, it does. I mean, and we've, and we've got to focus on service delivery. You know, we have, you know, the, uh, you know, come and hold. All those are the challenges that we're all, all fa- facing. And my sort of response to our team is just give excellent service. You know, focus on doing the right thing. And, yeah, you're going to make some mistakes. You're going to do it, you know, but have the courage to be able to, to do the right thing. And, 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 and if you focus on service, why would somebody want to do anything different than just enjoy their lives with us? You know, that's easy to say, you know, very difficult to operate at times because you've got humans involved. But the fact is, is, you know, let's just focus on that and, and keep celebrating those wins and learning from the, 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 the bits that you don't get so well. That's interesting. You mentioned a the difficulty there, and I was going to try and finish up with something around that. In so much as you, you said you've got a waiting list of people wanting to, to buy your properties and move into your villages. And I know from looking at your site, you've got, I think, over five sites that you're currently working on and, and building out. So presumably you have quite a lot of in the pipeline as well. So what are your current challenges and, and what, what are the things that are currently uh, sort of attracting your drive and your attention at the moment in the business? Okay, so, so we're still on a myth busting. So, so, so the sales velocity, whilst there's waiting lists on completed developments, we're still not selling fast enough on our current developments. So the challenge that we have is, is, is creating a better awareness for people to create the inquiries to the visits. Because people are generally, the stigma within the sector is still what we talked about earlier, you know, this sort of awful place that people sit around and just stare at you. And we've got to work through that stigma for people to see. Because as soon as people come through our door, you know, 38% of people who come through, who visit will, will reserve. You know, uh, so it's a real big percentage. 28% of those will complete. The odd person will then fall out between that reservation and completion. But we're still a high percentage of people. So our, our drive is to get people to inquire get people to visit because we know that we see that people will 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 do that so so one of our key challenges is to do that when when a village is full uh, and it's then selling at a sort of lower cadence because of people you're only selling when people are vacating then then the waiting list start to fall you know it's actually on the development pipeline it's it's raising that awareness Uh, and actually then the larger challenge we have is the time it takes for plan the planning system within the uk does not uh, legislate for our type of use so we, we're fighting against open market housing providers uh, we're having to educate local authorities and, and bring people into the space of knowing that 
yeah, most people will move within a few mile radius. There's a massive reduction in GP visitation from people who live within our communities. So therefore, we take less pressure on the NHS. We know that uh, a person living in one of our communities could save on average £3,500 per person per year in comparison to their own home to the NHS. So we know we can save billions to the NHS as a sector. And it's actually getting those messages across, Simon. It's getting the point so people can understand what an integrated retirement community is. And I think that as, as it falls, I think there'll be a very steep growth in, in it, you know, which hopefully will match with the same time that we'll have got planning and built for you. And, and that's the, the way that we and our investors are seeing. I think we, we need to be sort of bring this to a close, although I have lots of other questions. It'd be, be really interesting to, to talk about, but unfortunately, not today. So... Thank you very, very much for, for joining us, Jamie, and, and sharing your, your passion and your, your vision in this sector. i just finish up with asking, how can people find out more and where would you like to sort of direct people? Well, uh, as uh, Stuart very kindly said, you know, if, if our, our website has all the information. So www.inspiredvillages.co.uk is a great place uh, to find them. And if there's a there's request there for call, and if you actually ring and speak to somebody, you can just actually ask them. You know, there's not, you know, come and see what we're doing, see where we where we are. We we have um, uh, facilities open. You know, we 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 still, even though the world has opened up and the pandemic has passed it by, we we still have a few checks and balances we like to to do when people come and visit us because people living with us are are, are, are generally older and slightly more vulnerable. But come and see us. Come and see what we do, please. You know, just out of interest, even if you know, like yourself, Simon or Stuart, come and come and see, come and have a bite to eat. Come, you know, no, you're more than welcome. And then you can see for yourself the sort of environments that we and others in the sector are creating, because we're making a transformational change to people's lives. We're creating a built environment uh, that is more than just bricks and mortar. This is a lifestyle. This is a place for people to enjoy their lives, to make it the best years of their life. I think that sounds fantastic. So I will now just say to, to everyone listening, please do visit inspiredvillages.co.uk to find out more and link to that and a number of other things we've talked about in this episode will be available in the show notes at thebusinessofproperty.com. And Stuart and I will talk to you again next week. <laughs> <laughs>